Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. comes from Matthew uh, chapter 2. And on the screen, you will see uh, chapter 2, uh, 13 through 18. When I was preparing for the sermon, I said, you know, I think I'm going to just borrow the last verses of this chapter, 19 through 23, because it seems to be a part of the passage that is good to be included. So I'm going to be extending the reading this day. So we have now this opportunity to share together in the reading of God's word. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until, you, until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. It was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the, prop, through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put, uh, and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all in his districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And now continuing in the reading from this, this chapter, picking up at verse 19, it's not on your screen, so I'll read it for you. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, and he said, get up, Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up. He took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Achilles was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in the town of Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophet, he will be called a Nazarene. May God add his blessings uh, to the reading of this, his word. Many of you are familiar, I am sure, with this passage from the eighth chapter of Romans. For what does it say? that all things work to good for those who love the Lord 
and are called according uh, to his purposes. This is how we get through in a fallen world. We need the confidence that that verse will give us that all things work to good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Because we live in a very difficult world. As, as calm and as pleasant as some of your days might be here at the Windsor, uh, the world outside is full of all sorts of challenges. Uh, four people were murdered this weekend in Orange County. It's so sad. And it never occur happens just about every night that somebody has taken a gun and decided to do something perilous and dangerous and unnecessary, either harming or killing people. Dangerous world. And it's not just Orange County. It's in Osseo. It's all over the Central Florida region. A dangerous world. Internationally, a dangerous world. So we, in our everyday, we take this comfort that all things in our life work to good for those who love the Lord, who know the Lord, and are walking with the Lord, and are called what? According to his purposes. Who walk in the ways that he gives us to walk and do that which he has called us to do. And God will superintend his presence within our life. This is so true to us. Do you remember the person, Corey? Timboom. She traveled with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and was a popular speaker in many churches. She told this story about how God works providentially in our lives. Because like I said, the providence of God is his watch care over us for our good, for our instruction, for our leading, and our protection. God's presence in our life is known in these ways. Corey tells the story about fleas. I don't know if you remember that story. It was a very important testimony that she gave. Now, when I saw this, this little bug beds, mosquito, mosquito repellent band, I hope it works. I hope it works because what you do is you wrap it around your, your arm and you go do what you're going to do. And supposedly, the mosquitoes will not trouble you. Well, they'll not be around you. Remember the new development in dog care, the flea collar? Okay, they have all kinds of treatments for dogs so they don't get the fleas that are around. They're aggravated. If you ever seen a puppy who had fleas, they're just really, really aggravated, always scratching. It's painful. Okay, we don't want that kind of infestation. Corey and her sister were taken by the Germans to Ravensbrück, which was a concentration camp outside of Berlin. A terrible place. An awful place. The men and the women were separated in two different barracks, or in probably many barracks, but they were not together in the same barrack. The women noticed that they did not have the presence of the German guards in their barrack. They sometimes wondered. Corey, whose sister, Bessie, had a word. Bessie gave her this passage from uh, Thessalonians. Rejoice in all things. Now, Corey was a bit of a vinegary person. 
She wouldn't roll over too easy. So she looked at her sister and says, well, what have we got to rejoice about? Looking around. She says, well, I have you, you have me, we're here together, and we have a Bible. That is something to rejoice about. She learned later that she was not tortured and troubled by the guards at Ravensbrook because of fleas. Okay? Fleas. Tiny little irritating beast. Little bugs. The guards who were supposed to inspect the barracks, they would not go into the, men, the women's quarters because they were infested with fleas. And they knew that if they got in there, they too would be infested. Now, Corey's circumstances rejoice in all circumstances for fleas. Then she realized through a conversation with a former guard that they, guards never went into that building because of the flea infestation. And she said, you know, that was the providence of God. That was the care of God, the protecting presence of God to keep us safe. Her sister subsequently died from sickness and starvation. In the providence of God, Corey was released early by a clerical error. She subsequently found out the people in her dorm were later executed by the Germans. Providential care of God, providential care of God in a trying, terrible world, Corey knew that. And her testimony throughout her life as she went around the world was to the care of God for her, her sister, and, and the victory that she knew in Jesus because she even had an encounter with one of the guards from Ravensbrook who had become a Christian and who spoke to her and asked for her forgiveness for all that he had done. And in the providence of God, she had the peace of mind to pray and tell God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, but I can do all things through you. So she put her hand out and she said, Holy Spirit, make it real. Holy Spirit, give me the reality of this moment. And she said, as soon as she stuck her hand out, the care of God came into her life and she touched that former guard and made connection as a child of God with a child of God. All things work to good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. That's Corey's testimony after the fact. I think during the time, like she told her sister, well, what have we got to be rejoicing about? And then her sister gave her the calm word. Okay, and subsequently she was able to give a real clear testimony to the care of God for all of his people. What does it say? That all things work to good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. So, in this passage we have before us today, I want you to think about the movement of the protection of God. Now, the Magi, whom we talked about last week, who had presented their gifts, in a dream, they were told, don't go back to Herod, because Herod is not a good influence. Herod is not a good person. He may not even let you out of their world. So they were told to take another path back home. Now when Herod realized that they had 
tricked him, he became furious. So he set out an edict that would kill all the children in Bethlehem and their surrounding region who were two years younger. All the boys who were born in that area who were two years and younger, Herod's edict killed them. Joseph received a word from God that that was not going to be their future. If you stop for a moment, can't you think that Joseph was an, a good man? He was a man of character and determination before God. His wife-to-be, Mary, was pregnant. That could have been grounds for divorce. But the Holy Spirit came to him and said, through a dream, through a dream, that which is with Mary is by the Holy Spirit. Take her as your bride. He did. And he took her to Bethlehem to comply with the law. There she gave birth to the baby Jesus. They stayed there for two years approximately. Um, and then the Magi found them, presented their gifts, and then the edict came down from Herod after they had departed that they were uh, to be all the male children, two years and younger, were to be executed. The Lord sent a message through a dream to Joseph. And I've characterized those verses as get out, go back, and go home. For that seemed to be the word that Joseph received in his dream life. Get out, go back to Egypt. Take your family to Egypt, where you'll find other Jews who are escaping peril themselves. It wasn't easy, but there were a number of Jews living in Egypt already. In the city of Alexandria, it's thought that there were over a million Jews living in that city. So when he took his family to Egypt, it was entirely possible that he found friends with whom he could share that time. Stayed there for a couple of years, we think. And then he got another word. Get out was over. The next word was go back. Go back. So he was told to go back to Judea, to get out of Egypt and, and come back to Judea. But when he got there, he found that not only was Herod dead, but his son who was in his place ruling was as bad as Herod. He saw it as a dangerous place to be. And in, in another dream, he was told, go back to Nazareth. Because you remember from the other Gospels, Nazareth is where they set out for, um, to, for Bethlehem to pay their taxes. It was their hometown. And so this was the providential care of the Holy Family that led them back to Nazareth protection for the baby Jesus to avoid the murderous presence of Herod, protection for the baby Jesus to avoid uh, the trials and tribulations and perhaps even another attack from Herod's son, who was just as bad, to go back to Nazareth, to an area that he knew. Now, what do we know about Nazareth? It was a small town. About 1,600 people were living there. Just a small little place with a strong Jewish community. But what was really important for the city or the little town of Beth, or Nazareth was that Nazareth was near 
a trade near trade routes. Trade from the east would come to that region, bringing all of their finds from the east. Trade would come from the north, heading south. So from east and north and heading south to the great markets, the Gentiles would come with their commerce. Jesus grew up in that vicinity and he saw uh, the diversity of the world, not just the Jewish community, but he saw the diversity of the world that was around. And therein lies the vision that Jesus had uh, for the word of God, the gospel, the good news to be extended to all people who are in the hearing of God's good news in Jesus. So we remember in the Gospels, he had contact with centurions. He had contact with people who weren't Jewish. His vision was that the goodness of God, the salvation of God, would be for all people. And surely uh, the church received that from him in the, the latter part of Matthew's Gospel with the Great Commission. Go into the world and make what? Disciples. Make people who understand the love of God in Jesus. And that's really where, where Jesus was as he grew up and as he grew into his ministry to, with a vision that was bigger than the Jewish community. Now, when we're talking about the providence of God, it really is something that's eminently personal. We're not farmers, so we don't go to Harvest Home Festivals. But undoubtedly, you'll have a Thanksgiving meal. But in the presence of this culture, you have to force yourself to remember that this is Thanksgiving, not to Publix, but to God for his generosity and his goodness in our life. So we'll stop before we eat and remember God and his goodness and his watch care over us. I have a personal story that I want to share with you about uh, the providential care of God. A few years ago, maybe five or six years now, I was uh, scheduled for a minor surgery over at the Advent Hospital, Celebration Hospital. You had to go to your doctor and have a physical, right? Well, the doctor did a very fine physical and it was, it was everything. He even took x-rays. And I don't really do that much anymore. They use the imaging services, but x-rays. And in the x-rays, my doctor looked at me and he says, you know, I don't think I like that. I says, I'm going to take another. Might be a bad x-ray. So he took it and it was still there. There was just a little, like a half size of a tennis ball on this side of the x-ray. He says, I don't like that. I'm going to send you to Dr. G, who was a surgeon, a thoracic surgeon. Thoracic surgeon takes care of the upper part of your chest. And so Dr. G um, saw Dr. Gerges' report, and then he sent me to all the other imaging services. There weren't any that didn't take a picture of me. They all the pictures. And finally, when I met with the good doctor, he says, you know, with all the imaging I have, I do not really know what we're dealing with. But I do know this, if it were me, I think it needs to be taken out. And he says, what do you think about that? And I said, well, you're the doctor. 
and I have confidence in you. He was looking at me, and I was looking at a wall of credentials, a literal wall of credentials where he had earned the privilege of being the chief of thoracic medicine at Celebration. He was also the chief of thoracic medicine instruction at the University of Central Florida's um, School of Medicine. I was in good hands. And I said, okay, doctor. So he says, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll schedule. So he did. And he took me through what I characterize as the big cut. It was a very serious surgery in the upper area. They had to break two ribs to get to where they wanted to go. And when they got there, they found that there was this sack of what was soon to, through, to be through discovery, uh, a swanoma tumor. It's not the kind of tumor that metastasizes and goes all over your body, but it's in a sack. And so they could be confident that they could take it out. And they did, praise God. They took it out off of the Braxis nerve up here, all this, this bunch of nerves over here. And uh, they, for good measure, they took out the two top sections of my left lung. And then for good measure, they took out some lymph nodes over here. Okay. Um, listen, you're in there, do what you got to do, don't ask me. Because well, I couldn't give an answer anyway, I was under. So anyway, uh, so after the recovery process was over, it was a long time. That's a deep surgery, and it was a long time recovering. It was everything that his nurse had told me it was going to be in a lot more. Wow. But anyway, through God's care, I was able to get through all of the recovery process. And Joe, you have an exit interview with your attending physician, your surgeon. And he says, you know, Mr. Thornton, he says, I'm so glad that we had this um, surgery because I, I fear that had we not done so, where that tumor was located on your Braxis nerve area, uh, you would have either had a stroke or you would have been paralyzed from your neck down. Or you would have simply died. That's what we were fearful of when we got in there. So they, thank God. So, and for the ex sister. And you know, the thing is, I'm saying, hearing this, and I'm saying, this is a religious experience. This is the providence of God. This is how God watches over and cares for us and takes care of us. So I'm, I'm looking at the doctor and I'm saying, oh, praise God. This is the providential care of God. Hallelujah. And you know what the doctor did? He's a doctor. When I told my other doctor, he was equally. And when I told another doctor, he was equally. And when I told a person who wasn't a doctor, we both praised God and gave thanks. You know, there are some doctors who do not have the, that as a part of their practice, and they can't join in with situations such as that. You respect that. I just recognized it because I was alive because of their good hands. Everything that he had said to me was true and I was here and I was giving thanks to God and I was saying, this is the providence of God in my life. Undoubtedly, in this room there are others who've had the same experiences of God's care for you through the hands of doctors, through the words of people, this providential care of God saturates our life. 
Philippians 1.6 says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on that day. That day is the return of Jesus. And you may either, either be in the very presence of God, having passed from this life into the eternal kingdom, or you may be here when he comes back. Hallelujah. But God is going to finish what he begins. And he's going to do that in the experience of his providential care. And it's as intimate as every breath that we take. And caring as every breath that we take. And so we give today thanks for the providential care of God. Jesus was protected in his childhood. He knew nothing of the peril of Herod. He knew nothing of what was coming along in his way. He was a child. But he knew, his parents knew, that he needed protection. Through the hand of God, he received what he needed. And through the hand of God, we too receive what we need. For this we can give thanks to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.